All right, hello and welcome to the Being Talking with Peak Performers podcast. On this podcast, we talk to people that are peak performers in their field so you can then go and perform at your best. Just before I start the show, I want to talk to you guys about a new initiative that I've started and that is producing podcasts for people and business owners that want to start their own show. A little bit more on that at the end of the show, but for now, I want to introduce my guest, James Harrison. James is a personal development and self-improvement expert. He's also spent a lot of time in the e-commerce industry, loves his meditation, and he's also a podcaster as well. So you get two podcasters in a room and we got some amazing stuff here. So let's go. James. Tim. Thank you for coming on. Of course, man. Um, you are a podcaster as well. You've yep. had some really cool stuff done in the e-commerce sector, uh, but most importantly, also really into self-development and meditation. Um, but that's my sum up for you, but for people that don't know you, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. Who am I? It's a good question. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> One that I think we're all trying to figure out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I just like to always describe myself as a curious person, you know. That's where a lot of my projects have come from, just a sense of curiosity. So, you know, with the podcast you mentioned, it was I'd seen all these people who had achieved things that I wanted to achieve and I was curious how they did that. So that's me trying to unpack that and learn how to do it. You know, basically all the other projects I've done, e-commerce, meditation, all these other things, it's all come from curiosity. So if I had to sum myself up, I'd say a curious person. You know why I, I love that and why this has actually happened is I stumbled across your Instagram page, read your Instagram bio and I've gone, hang on, this guy's like me. This is cool. Um, you know, he's, uh, I think I'll get along with him. And I think that curious nature comes across very well um, in your podcast, in everything you do. Um, so that's really cool. Do you, Can you pick a – were you that kid that would ask all the questions? No, that's funny, man. I was actually – if people saw how I am today and how I was when I was a kid, it's completely different. If if anyone who knew me when I was in like primary school and early high school and they saw who I was today, they would think it was a completely different person because I was always like the shy kid. I didn't know how to talk to people, didn't have many friends. And, and yeah, so I was never really the person who was just always asking questions, but I was, I was asking questions in my mind and I was always curious internally, but I never really learned how to externalize that and actually communicate effectively mm. until a bit later on, I think. And did that, because I guess when you're, because I'm, I'm the same, I relate to that. I was very introverted um, all the way through primary school. Um, I was the classic kid that would hide behind my parents' leg the first day of school. Um, but as soon as I hit year seven, I this change happened. And I, I think um, curiosity staying on that line brought it about but do, do you think you were curious as to okay I'm introverted how can I now make friends did that lead you down the personal development yeah totally man it's that was probably the the initial curiosity and it's like how do how do I interact with people because didn't have that skill set didn't come naturally to me so that was something I wanted to learn and that was the first thing that's evolved into other areas as well but yeah you know it's funny like I ended up I literally went and got a sales job. This is fast forwarding a little bit yeah, to no, after high fine. school. But, um, but that's good. That's where the real magic starts. <laughs> I literally went and got a sales job because it was something that absolutely petrified me and that I didn't think I would ever be able to do, but I saw the value in learning that skill set. So I literally was like, all right, what's, what's the hardest 
sort of thing I could do to throw myself in the deep end. And so I ended up getting a door-to-door sales job where I basically just went around to cafes and tried to sell them this app. <laughs> nice. And if you can imagine that, it's like, you know, you're walking into a cafe unannounced. They're busy as hell. Owners don't aren't interested in getting sold by the 10th person who's walked in that day. <laughs> so my job was basically to go in and just try and get them to actually sit down while there's actually paying customers in there, you know, run through this 10 minute presentation, try and convince them to sign up to this app. And, you know, it was just, I was going into like 50 cafes a day, getting brutally rejected by at least like 40 of them. And then, you know, like just hearing no, no, no. And just, it was literally like, I was like sweating and shaking before going into each each cafe initially. But that was actually one of the best experiences I've had professionally because learning that skill set of just, developing that resilience, developing that thick skin and also how to communicate, you know, like actually you start to pick up these little things. It's like if you move in this certain way or you use these certain phrases instead of other words, people perceive it more positively and it actually became like a bit of an experiment, you know, where you could kind of test all these different things and you get immediate feedback. So it was hard at the start, but it was actually something really enjoyable towards the end and something I got a lot out of. Yeah, definitely that thick skin. I can, I can relate to that. My first job was telemarketing. Uh, yeah, um, equally hard. I respect the door-to-door stuff. <laughs> I really respect that. I, Dude, uh, it's like now when I see someone come to like, Door to door. Yeah. You know, I used to get angry at like no, salespeople, but now I'm just like, dude, like I get it. Uh, <laughs> I hear your pitch. Yeah. I'm the same with the phone. Like someone calls me on the phone, I'll listen to them. Yeah. And then criticize. And <laughs> some people I've even given impromptu sales training to. <laughs> have you ever considered using this? Have you considered doing that? That would have made me buy. Like, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, I guess when you're in a sales environment, um, what did you really learn? So, yes, you had the relationship and the communication, but but what do you think was your main takeaways from just yeah jumping in the deep end and doing sales? And as a two-pronged question, I guess, um, how much has that shaped your career now? Because um, you're an engineer by trade, yeah. but uh, but you're also in the business sector. So, yeah, tell me. Yeah, absolutely. Good question. So yeah. in terms of what I took away and learned from that, for me it was that basically anything is a learned skill because – like I was saying before, man, if someone saw me and was like, and how I was in high school, and then you told them that I would would ever be in like a sales role and do well at it, they'd be like, nah, <laughs> no way, you know? So it really just like proved to myself that anything that we do is really a learned skill. And that's pretty empowering because then you think about all these things that you think you're not natural at. But for me, I proved to myself that I could actually overcome that natural barrier and become good at something and so now I've applied that to other things and other skills like I never used to think I was like an athletic person but now I've seen like that I can overcome that and actually become athletic you know become fit so it's just that was the biggest takeaway I got yeah. was just and, like, and for people just listening along you are you're in good shape you know so <laughs> go you. and uh, watch some snippets on YouTube <laughs> you, you know you've done well yeah thank yeah. you <laughs> so yeah it's it's really just all I can apply to any area and that was the biggest thing I took away and in terms of how it's affected my career now, like it's everything, man. Sale, <laughs> you'll know this as a salesperson, but sales is everything, man. Everything is sales, you know. If you're getting a job, that's sales. You got to go through an interview. You got to sell yourself to the employer, convince them why you're going to be a good fit for the role. If you're asking someone out on a date, 
bet sales. You got to convince yep. that you're a good and partner. Also, I'll argue with Tinder, Hump, Bumble, uh, <laughs> whatever it is these days, people are dating five people at the same time, especially in that first two weeks. So yeah. you got to. You got to sell hard. You got to sell hard. Yeah, if you're not close. I I was telling my my girlfriend now in that first two weeks, I'm using every sales tactic in the book to get you because you're, you know, I really want to be with you. Totally, man. And that's the thing. And I guess like you and me, we get it. But some people hear the word sales and they Mm. think, oh, like used car salesman in a cheap suit, trying to rip people off, flogging things off that they don't really need. But to me, sales is just communication. You know, it's been able to present what's in your head, what you're thinking, present it to someone in a way that they understand where you're actually highlighting the benefits to them clearly. And so for me, it's all about just communication. That's what sales is. And the better you can communicate, the better you can sell and the more you're going to get. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll I'll spurt off my definition of sales as well. Um, It's literally showing people the right product for them. Showing people, you know, do they need it, do they not, communicating it. So that there's an umbrella term of communication. But literally without a salesperson talking you done correctly, you know, asking you what's your needs, what's your wants, what are you, what are you going to use this thing for, you know. And if they sell you something that fits all that, then they've done their job and they've cut down your research by tons. I mean, the the data that we have on touch points. So for people listening on a touch point is every interaction that you have with a brand. It's getting up to about 20 or 30 times that someone has to need, needs to see your, your brand, but a sales process can cut that down. So think about having to re- research something. It's like two hours of your time. Go talk to a proper salesman yeah. um, that you trust. That you trust. Yeah. And look, it's at least you and I will, will be able to pick out the sleazy salesman <laughs> straight away. Um, I've got a story of buying a car, which is just fascinating. And and this Hyundai guy didn't even ask me why I walked into a Hyundai dealership. And then he proceeded to walk me next door to the Alfa Romeo section because I, I came in wearing a suit. And then he's like, oh, let's let's go. Did his song and dance. And then was like, let's go for a test drive. I'm like, mate, I walked into the Hyundai. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I don't want alpha, mate. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, like you can, yeah, you, you can suss out the sleaziness. But to your point, find something you can trust. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, so yeah, so you had a bit of a career in sales. Um, let's talk about closing. Like, well, how do you define closing? Closing in yeah. sales. Um, I guess it's just it's actually getting the deal done. You know, like there's a lot of people who sell and they can sell well. And they keep selling and keep selling until it gets to the point where they oversell. You know, it's like, I guess to use a silly example, if you're on a date with someone, you can have a great time and like show that you're a really good person. But if you never lean in for that kiss, you know, like you can just keep it going and just eventually becomes awkward. Yeah, so, yeah. So. I, I have a rule, first date, always kiss. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Always go for ASAP. the close. ASAP. <laughs> always be closing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, man. It comes back to sales as life, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally is. I think that was because the introverted side of me started the sales job at 18 and um, I could see the relevance with life and so I was like, oh, I can go to clubs and meet more, meet more people if I learn how to sell. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be romantic. It's no. Friendships, friendships as well, you know? Like yeah. just like how can you – because, you know, like – if you're talking to someone you've never spoken to before, just randomly approaching them in the street, 
not necessarily romantically, but you just want to have a conversation with someone. It's easy to come across as really awkward and threatening, you know? So if you know how to like present yourself with your body language, you know, like don't come straight on to someone, like come a bit sideways and, you know, like don't just like crowd their space, just like basic things. And you're just going to have more fulfilling relationships with yeah, people well, in general. Wow. Well, 100%. Even like even just having the guile to ask for help when you need it. Yeah. Just the confidence, the added confidence that sales gives you outside of the the profession. Yep. Totally. And it's even like yeah, absolutely right man. And even with things like hard conversations with like your boss or something, you know, like you want to ask for a raise or you want to talk about an issue that's going on like if you're a salesperson, you're having tough conversations every day, you know, so it's just yeah. another conversation. So, <laughs> yeah. but some people like, you know, if you're a behind the scenes accountant, like you only have like personal meetings like once a week or whatever and they're always just like fluffy and, you know, it's hard when it comes to that time where you want to ask for more money or you want to bring up this important issue, like you don't have any practice. So, yeah, I always say to, to me, for me personally, the best thing I ever did was do a sales role and you don't have to become like a salesperson full time. Like I only did that door to door thing for like three or four months, you know. But even that three or four months was just really defining for me. So. And then did you after that three or four months, did you have this innate confidence in your ability to then go and do any job? Well, any within reason. I mean, you're not a you're not a painter, so you're yeah. Not going to go and, to unless, <laughs> unless you unless you haven't told me you are, um, <laughs> you, you know. But but any job in engineering, sales, yeah. business, yeah, that's it, man. It it definitely gives you confidence because, like we were saying before, it's just communicating an idea, you know. And so, even if it's something highly technical like accounting or engineering, you're still having to communicate an idea, you know. Like perfect example, like if you're an engineer and you're working with like site workers on a mine site or something they're speaking a different lingo and language to you, you know, like you're thinking in terms of like specs or like the business side, the dollars, but they're just thinking about is this thing going to work or, you know, like, and you kind of have to change your communication style to match the audience and that's something that sales helps with. Definitely, definitely really cool. Um, yeah, so what do you, I guess my question is you, you've had e-commerce experience and you're in the e-commerce space right now. Um, so... Look, there's a lot of stuff I can ask. I can even go on the sales line and say, how has sales translated to e-commerce yep. in writing copy? Yeah, yeah, totally. Same same thing. Um, again, sales matching communication to the, to the communication style of the audience. In this case, the audience is someone reading text on a screen. So basic principle is the same. You're communicating the benefits of whatever you're selling, but you're doing it in a way where it's, through text and copy rather than through face-to-face or through words, which in some ways is easier, but it's also sometimes harder as well because you have to actually, you can't use like body language or tone of voice or anything like that. It's just straight words. So, but it's all all relevant, all the same. Yeah. So the, the e-commerce brand that you're with now, um, if you want to give it a shout out, I'd, I'd love you to. <laughs> um, and, and also, yeah, what was your why in terms of going to that? Because you could apply your skills to any e-commerce section yeah what was the what is the product and and what yeah, is the yeah. why if you if absolutely you man i'll share as much as i can so basically the way i got into this was it's funny i've kind of done we haven't got through my full background stuff yeah. but i've kind of done a lot of stumbling around in <laughs> okay. in my life you know so 
again, like testing different things, running experiments, trying new things. And this opportunity that I'm working on at the moment basically just came about out of dumb luck, really. You know, one of my <laughs> friends. Some of the best things. That's it, man. Some of the best things do come out of dumb yeah. luck. So basically, one of my friends who I'd known for a few years, he's been in the e-commerce space and like I regularly catch up with him and we just talk about projects we're working on and he'd always tell me about his online store and he's doing well with it and I just saw what he was doing and I was like wow it's really powerful to see you know what he was achieving with that and then yeah there's just really an opportunity like my background more recently is more like customer success yep experience um, customer experience yeah yep. i think that's on your linkedin yeah. bio at the moment customer experience yeah yeah Doing a bit of stalking <laughs> <laughs> that's it love it <laughs> um and so basically that was in a more b2b setting but you know it applies to Twice. b2c as well and you know my friend his store was really taking off um in terms of sales like him and his brother were working on it they were doing really well for marketing generating sales, generating large volumes of orders, but the customer service and customer experience kind of sucked. So he actually asked me to come on board just to help him out awesome. in terms of building out some of those processes. So that's yeah. kind of what I've been doing. Cool. I, I love CX. That's something I'm fascinated about because it, it takes in the macro and then it also takes in the micro and the tiny things. And the macro is obvious, but the micro is often the things that, that uh, cost you sales. Yeah. Um, little things like not having trust badges, little things like uh, conversion rate optimization where you have a green add to cart button instead yeah. of a one that, you know, colors in. And these things are there for a reason. But um, I guess when you're looking at a website in terms of customer experience and doing an audit, what are the things you're looking out for? Yeah, it's a good question. So I guess when I talk about customer And it would change depending on the thing. But Totally. Yeah. I guess in terms of that, so it's less so in terms of optimizing things like that, like the button placement and the the colors and all that kind of stuff, even though they're important. But what I've been doing is more building out the processes behind the customer service in a way. So, you know, like, for example, with my friend's store, he was getting like hundreds of customer uh, contacts a day, but they were coming through email, they're coming through Facebook Messenger, through Instagram comments, like all these different channels that were just like completely separate. So what I've kind of done is just like streamlined everything. So they've got like customer service reps, but now it's all like coming through the one help desk software and just like building out those processes. Like what do we what do we say when the customer's got this question? What's the best way we can respond to that? If there's this issue, how do we resolve it? And kind of building out those more, I guess, the the actual interactions with the customers and fixing their problems and helping sell more. Because a mistake people have is they think that online selling is just all about the numbers, turning people in, getting customers. Customers are just another number to you. And that's just completely incorrect. I mean, you still need to build that relationship and, and I guess that's a big part of what you're doing, yeah? Totally. It's yeah. even, you could argue it's even more important on for online sales because if a customer is angry and you've got your Facebook presence and your Instagram presence and everything, they've got a lot of channels they can badmouth you on, you know? So it's like almost like it's even though you don't physically interact with them, it's more important to keep them happy. And so, yeah, you see it all the time. Brands just get absolutely shredded online. So that's what I've been trying to avoid. I'd, I'd love to actually get your opinion though on how you deal with hate. How you deal with hate comments or um or well hate and negative there's there's two there so there's a negative comment which is like okay wow we may have done something wrong like a shipping order or whatever um not saying you would have but stuff happens 
or like, you know, a disaster happens and then shipments are late. So, yeah, how do you deal with negative comments? And then um, I'll come back to the hate comments because I think that's more more around your uh, personal brand. Yeah, so, yeah, so sure. yeah, how do you deal with negative comments as a business? Um, as a business, I guess it's just there's an underlying issue as to why someone is angry. <laughs> so fix the problem. <laughs> That's step one. Simple, simple, you know, fix the problem. Simple. Or find out what the problem is. Fix That's the right. Problem. So yeah, people people do things for reasons. People are angry for a reason. Find out what that is and resolve it. That's step one. And, you know, like 80% of the time, that's enough. You know, just fix the issue and people are forgiving. Um, in the case where they're just bitter or spiteful, you know, you might have like 5% of people who no matter what you do, you can't keep them happy. Uh, reality is that's just part of business essentially. So do what you can to help. If you've done something wrong, take accountability for it, fix it. And if they're still angry, then they're still angry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, very true, very true. Um, I'd love to touch a bit on your your podcasting, personal branding, because um, you're doing a good job, doing a good job of it. Um, but I found that the as soon as you start doing some personal development and you start leveling up, you can find individuals and I don't want to get negative straight away, but I've sort of am. Um, but you can find individuals that resist it because you, they're seeing you go on and do good things and, and it's like, okay, uh, now I need to, I can't hang out with them for a beer every every weekend. Um, how do you deal with with that? Is it a matter of you know, limiting the negative time and, and focusing on the, the positive stuff that you're doing? Or yeah, how do you, yeah, have you ever had any interactions with that? It's a great question, man. And it's it's hard because for me personally, like I'm not at the level at the moment where I get random people just like hating on me. Yeah. <laughs> like one, day. one day. One day we'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's – and that's the thing. It's oftentimes it's quite insidious, you know, and it's from people who actually care about you, you know. Sometimes that can be your biggest attractors, not on purpose, but – you know, for me personally, I'll, I'll give you a specific example. Like when I first started like trying to build my personal brand, like it was before the podcast, but I was doing a bit more stuff on Instagram, like some videos and just like sharing things I was learning. And for me, literally the reason I started doing more on Instagram was because all my like friends and people I knew were on Facebook and I like didn't want <laughs> them to see it. So I did it on Instagram instead. And then, so it was great. Like, I felt like I had all this freedom. I could, like, be myself. I didn't have to worry about judgment. All I did that with TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, but then, you know, one person sees your Instagram, they start following you, and then eventually, like, people, like, come across and they start seeing it. And I actually noticed in myself, I was starting to get, like, self-conscious about it. And, you know, like, and people didn't, this is the thing, like, people don't, they're not going to come out and say, like, what are you doing? Like, you're a loser or whatever. But- it's almost like implied in a way. They're just like, oh, like, yeah, I see you're doing all this stuff. Like, yeah, what's with that or whatever. You know, it's just like these things that they're not blatantly negative, but it can really knock you, your confidence in a way. Yeah, like a backhanded compliment yeah, slap sort of thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly yeah. right. And so what I sort of found was I was, there's kind of a few stages to it, you know, like first, I forget what exactly the people say, but it's like first they... They laugh at you. First they laugh at you, then they... Um, then they hate you. Hate or, you, then they admire you. Oh, no, mine's the last one. Then they 
like question it, but then they admire yeah, you. Yeah, something it's like a, that. <laughs> you'll find it on Instagram somewhere. <laughs> Someone's got the graphic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's a, you know, it's like, and that's what many people struggle with getting through that initial two stages where people are questioning you, people are laughing at you. Like it's it's bad, but you know, like but again, coming back to like sales, you know, it's like I'm used to getting like beaten down, <laughs> rejected, so it was all right. But yeah. and now I I feel like I'm kind of at this spot where, you know, people kind of look at what I'm doing, and I can see like the same people who initially kind of laughed at it. I can see they're almost like in quiet admiration now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so just you get there eventually, but and I think it's a big lesson for people listening or watching. You know, like whenever you try something new, you're gonna suck and it's gonna be like cringy, <laughs> but you have to get through that hump. And then not only do you suck, but people are questioning you <laughs> and saying, "Why are you doing this? What's the point?" And so it's all negative. But if you can just keep doing it for long enough, eventually you get better. Eventually, people start to come around and see what you're doing actually has merit. And it's just getting through that dip that is the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say you're through, through it now yourself? Uh, I think I'm starting to come out of it. Yeah. I can see the light. Well, I'm a fan, man. So, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, personal development, there's a really awesome photo. Um, for, the, for those listening along, I'll try and describe it. Um, it's James and you're sitting next to a pile of books. And uh, I think that's your, your podcast cover. It's your... Um, your Facebook or one of your uh, Instagram profiles, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. You'll find it. But it's a really good picture because it just shows the amount of knowledge that you're willing to consume. Um, my question on the back of that is what is your favorite book, personal development-wise? Hard one. Hard one. <laughs> Broad one. And a good question. Um, <laughs> one book that had a big impact on me was one called The Slight Edge okay. by Jeff Olson. Yeah. And basically the premise of it is that you know, when people see successful people, whether it be in business, family, health, they kind of assume that it's just this one, they took this one giant leap, you know, like in business, they closed this one massive deal and got all this media and then suddenly they sold their company and became rich and all this kind of stuff. Or like in their health, they just see someone who's like really fit and they're like, oh, he must have always been that way. Or, you know, he just trained really hard for like a month or whatever. But reality is, anyone who's like achieved massive things, it always comes as a result of these small daily disciplines that just add up over time. And people kind of get it conceptually with like money, like compound interest, you know, like you put a dollar a day away and then it just like for a lot of the time, nothing happens and then suddenly the compound interest kicks in and you get a big return. It's the same with anything else. And just the way this book's written, it really highlighted that to me that it's, you know, the most important thing is just showing up every day and just being 1% better, you know, like doing one little thing more and it won't seem like you're having an impact, but this is what happens over the long term. This is what will make the difference between success and failure. And the way he describes in the book is that it's e they're easy to do these small things, the successful people do, but they're also easy not to do. You know, it's easy to read five pages of a book in the morning, but it's also easy not to read five pages of a book in the morning. And, you know, for me personally, for a long time, I was just reading 10 pages of a book every morning. And then the end result is after a few years, that pile of books on the ground, you know, whereas most people would say, well, not most people, but some people would say 10 pages, that's not worth doing. Like, I'm just going to wait until I got a bit more time and I'll sit down and read the whole book in one go or whatever. And then nothing ever happens. So, 
yeah, that really just highlighted to me. It's it's kind of an obvious principle when you think about it, but the way he described it really resonated with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's up. I'm going to go pick it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's a go. good one. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of um, development books talk about the power of waking up at a specific time, um, typically early, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Have you adopted adopted that or i mean i know it's individual to people but have you adopted a, a, a better let's say a morning routine yeah it doesn't totally. have to be 6 a.m like a morning routine yeah, yeah cool um yeah i think there's power in having a morning routine for sure um you know just finding what gets you in a state of like peak performance and being able to replicate that every day is powerful so you're not just sort of like relying on random chance you know like i knew we were going to have this interview today so I know exactly what I need to do when I wake up to just go through my routine and get in like a good state to be able to like think clearly and communicate well. And it's some, something I do every day, you know, so I know what I need to do. And so for me personally, it's get up at 6 a.m. Funny you mentioned that. <laughs> That's exactly it. And I do at the moment, I basically do a one hour meditation sitting maybe it's something we can talk about later but yeah i'd love to get in one hour <laughs> yeah. man i've done 10 minutes but um and then so from then from 7 till seven thirty, i actually just go for a walk down to the cafe just grab a coffee so you know i'm all zened out from meditating and then i get caffeinated <laughs> and sort of get perked up a bit uh and then i come back and i read for half an hour and do a little bit of journaling, you know, write down things I'm grateful for, things that are on my mind. And then that takes me to about 8.30 and I'm basically ready to start the day. You know? yeah. So well, um, You've done so much. Uh, people, you, I, yeah, I woke up at 8.30 today. Um, so you <laughs> it happens sometimes the, yeah, to yeah. me as well. Like oh, sometimes I wake I, up, mm. my alarm goes off, I completely sleep through it and then 8.30 yeah. comes and I'm like. <laughs> and I think the key there is not to judge yourself if that happens. Yeah. You know, it happens. That's right. Yeah. It happens to everyone. So, you know, the it's and it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. It's like if you miss your routine on one day, it doesn't mean you should be like, oh, I'm just going to scrap the whole week, you know. It's like just reset at the end of the day, reset, just start again the next day, you know. It's like if you eat one piece of cake, that doesn't mean you have to then eat the whole cake and be like, oh, my diet's done, you know. <laughs> so just, yeah. Be consistent, but don't beat yourself up. Yeah, very, very true. Um, let's loop back to that one-hour meditation because uh, yeah. I mentioned it in the intro too. So is that Vipassana? Yeah. Or is that, yep, so that's it what is. you're going off. Have yeah. you, do you know what it is? I don't know. And um, I'm sure there are people listening on who do know what it is and they're really excited now. And <laughs> um, and there's people that don't, but yeah, let us. Let yeah, us I'll know. give a brief rundown. It's, it's something interesting to me because I've kind of always done, not always, but in recent years, I've done some sort of meditation, um, like using like Headspace, like you said before, like 10-minute meditation in the That's morning. That's exactly whatever. what I did. Exactly. Yeah. I stopped as soon as I had to pay for it. <laughs> but So you used it for I, 10 days yeah, and felt good and then it's like, so nah. good and stopped. But I will get back on it. I know because it was very powerful yeah. during, during those 10 days. Yeah, absolutely. And for me personally, like the way I look at meditation, it's, it's almost like brushing your teeth. If you do it every day, you don't feel the difference. But if you stop brushing your teeth for a day, you really notice the difference. And so it's almost like a maintenance thing um, for me. And I, I noticed that when I was doing these 10-minute meditations. And then I was, I was hearing a lot of people talking about these 10-day Vipassana meditation courses where it's basically, you know, I just people I was like following online just kept mentioning, I, I heard the word a few times, Vipassana, 
meditation, blah, blah, blah. And then, so I looked a little bit into it because I was kind of curious about meditation. And yeah, it's basically, so what you do is you go and do a 10-day course to learn this technique. And it's a really interesting journey really because it's 10 days where they take your phone, they take your car keys, you don't have, you're not allowed to talk for the 10 days, you're not allowed to interact with any other people. Um, there's other people there at the course doing it, but you're not allowed to, to interact with them at all. And basically you just spend 10 days meditating all day. So you do about a hundred hours of meditation over the 10 days and it's uh, a wild experience. So um, I ended up doing that last year in September. Okay, so I now identify as an extroverted personality. Um, for me, walking around for 10 days and I know that there's people there and not be able to even just go, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Was that hard? Oh, dude. So I, I consider myself introverted. I don't think I'm shy, but I do think I'm introverted. And so when I first heard about this, I was like, oh, yeah, 10 days without talking to anyone. That sounds quite nice, you know. That's <laughs> yeah, heaven. Yeah. And then everyone that I was speaking to who I who didn't know about it, I'd say like, yeah, I'm doing this 10-day retreat and they're like, oh, it sounds really relaxing. And I was like, yeah, I don't think it's meant to be relaxing, but like I didn't really know that much about it. And so it's crazy, man. When you go, it's really difficult. <laughs> it's way like it was way more challenging than I expected. And there's a few reasons for that. Like, and one of them is just a lack of interaction and stimulation, you know, like it's crazy how much we just like distract ourselves and stimulate ourselves, phones, emails, talking to people, even just like going, getting lunch, eating food, like just all these things we distract ourselves with. And in this environment, it's crazy. It's something most people have never experienced because, you know, they cook all your meals for you. So, you're literally just there to meditate. So they, you have a simple bed, you get up at 4.30 every morning, you meditate, they cook all your meals so you don't have to like prepare anything or wash anything. So you're literally just like meditating all day and nothing else. And you go to some weird places in your mind, <laughs> or at least I did. So um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. When you, when you remove that stimulation and distraction, that's when you start to actually go deep within yourself and kind of dig up some interesting things. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I won't ask you to share it because it could have been some personal stuff. I'm oh, happy to if you want, man. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> one or two things came up for you. that. Uh, so the, the way the teacher described it is basically, so because you're learning a specific meditation technique. You're not just sitting there like relaxing. It's a very specific technique. And so the way the teacher describes it is basically like, you know, you're, you're almost performing like a brain surgery on yourself for these 10 days. So the first stage is you go in and you're kind of like digging all this crap out of your head. So, you know, like the first stage when you like clean your house, first it gets messier and then you tidy it up. It's the same with this. At first, you dig up all this crap you didn't even realize that was in your mind, all the stuff that you've been like repressing or distracting yourself from and, and you feel way worse initially. But then the idea is by the end of it, you kind of put all the pieces back together and um, you, you've kind of faced it and dealt with it. And that was the experience for me. So like, yeah, it was just, just some things, man. Because like I've never been through any like serious trauma, you know, uh, like I've had a very blessed life. It's been like 
majority of the time has been very positive. I'm very blessed. But I think for every single person that there are some things that, you know, like life's not perfect, you know, there's some things that happen and you, uh, it does affect you. And, you know, for me personally, like there's just some certain things that probably don't, it's not much value going too deep into them, but like the, that I was kind of like repressing and not like facing or dealing with. And I didn't even realize they were there. That's the thing. So when you start kind of digging in your mind, there's a lot of stuff under the surface that you didn't realize was there. And this kind of brings it to the surface and you're forced to face it, you know? And so like, I don't, I don't really cry that much, which I don't think is like good or bad. Like I'm not just not much of a crier, but <laughs> during this um, 10 day retreat, man, I was like crying like all the time, you know, just like had on one of the days, like on the seventh day, I had this like breakdown where I was just like, crying for like five minutes. I couldn't even like stand. I just had to like sit down and cry and just like random. Yeah. It's just all these things that, and that was something that was always in my mind. I didn't realize was there. And it was sort of like causing me this low level, like emotional pain. And then to actually kind of dig it up and face it and process it is powerful because that's what this whole technique is all about. You know, it's about feeling sensations and emotions and not trying to dull them or um, try and get rid of them, but face them, process them. And once you do that and you face them and you process them, then they just naturally dissipate, you know, and it's about developing what they call the equanimous mindset, which is, you know, not, not reacting to things, not being so reactive, you know, just seeing things for what they are, just processing them and letting them go, you know? Mm, wow. So wow. yeah, it's crazy. Very crazy. <laughs> awesome. Um, and I guess in terms of peak performance, um, getting yourself to to peak of where you can be, have you seen a change in terms of that when since you've started mm. meditation? And, and if so, what? Yeah, totally, man. Good question. It's so again, I just mentioned before the economist mindset. Like I felt like I've kind of always been like that, but I'm even more so now. Like it takes a lot to phase me, <laughs> you know. Like to give the audience an example of what I'm talking about here, like. You know, if you're driving along and someone like cuts you off or whatever and you get like super angry at that person, it's not actually the person who's cut you off that's causing anger. It's your own internal reaction to what that person has done, you know. You can have two people who are in the same situation. One person, their day is ruined. They're just in a bad mood for the rest of the day. They're just thinking about that guy, like how they're going to kill him and <laughs> all this stuff. And then there's someone else who's more equanimous who sees that happen, they react to that appropriately, you know, they like stop the car or whatever to avoid crashing. And then they might like be frazzled for like 10 seconds, but then they go on with their day, you know, and just don't let it get to them. And so for me, I feel even more so like that. Like it's, and, you know, coming back to what we were saying before about people like hating on you and um, like criticizing you, all that kind of stuff, that stuff phases me very little. And especially now after doing that, because I can just see it objectively for what it is. Like, it doesn't really mean anything, you know? And, you know, you can say that logically. A lot of people can say that logically. Like, oh, that person hates me. There's no basis for that, but I still feel hurt by it. But for me now, I can see something like that and it just means very little to me, you know? So that helps me because it helps me be bold. It helps me take risks. It helps me uh, not hold myself back based on other people. 
So whole host of benefits, man. Yeah. I think that's um that's a really cool place to to leave it on. Um, but I got two more questions. Uh, so the last, uh, second last one is, yeah, what's up for you next? What are you, what are you doing? So we're filming this end of January, 2020, going to probably publish it in Feb, early Feb. Um, but yeah, what are your, what are your goals for, for 2020 looking six, six to 12 months? Yeah, I love it. So it's funny, man, that 2019 was an interesting year for me. It was a bit of a, (laughs) a reset year for me on a few different levels. So you know, there's a few directions I was going in, which I realized were probably the wrong directions. So, you know, the worst thing in life is to climb the ladder and get to the top and realized it was placed against the wrong wall the whole time. <laughs> so, in a way, I kind of felt like that was a bit of me in 2019. So, I've kind of taken the ladder down, I put it up against the right wall now, and now I'm just climbing on that. So, for me, that involves, you know, what I'm doing with e-commerce, working on this business. Um, I'm also prioritizing a lot of skill learning new skills this year because there's all these things that I had wanted to learn which I just kept putting off and I've kind of got the luxury I guess of a bit more time and headspace this year so things like I've started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu I want to learn some sort of dancing singing like a musical instrument just all these random things that that for me personally I said I wanted to do but I just never took action on so now I'm taking action on it um and yeah the podcast as well that I've got um, James Harrison show self-titled <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going with that I've been doing it for about a year now so um, I've already got I've already seen like great things that have come from it like meeting Tim for example Hello, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I can only see that continuing um, the good stuff that comes from that so I'm just gonna keep going very cool very cool and um, look if someone's heard something on this show um, wants to reach out to you Obviously, the James Harrison show is a place to go to as well. But um, yeah, how do we get in touch if, if someone wants to reach out? Yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh, best way is probably Instagram. Um, so my handle is at J Harris, which is J H A R R I triple S. Triple S. That's where I'm most active. So come and come and connect with me there. I've also got a website, jamesharrison.com. Harrison has two R's and two S's just to keep people on their toes. We had to go back and forth on the email a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So um, the good news is because it's so hard, because it's so unusual, I got the .com. <laughs> but then people often get it wrong, which is fair enough. But uh, yeah, one of those two ways would be the best way to connect. Cool. Awesome. Well, James, uh, I've been Tim. You've been James. We've been talking. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, Tim. Really appreciate you having me on the show. All right, there you have it, the episode with James Harrison. I hope you guys got a lot of value from that. I sure enjoyed the chat with him and it was a lot of really valuable information there. Something that was really cool is James and I actually did another podcast but on his channel where he was interviewing me and I was on the other end of the microphone getting the questions asked from me, which was a really cool experience. If you want to go and listen to that show, it's now live on his podcast, The James Harrison Show. So go and check that out and let me know what you think. Apart from that, I'd love for you to take a screenshot of you listening along to this show and then sharing that on your story and tagging Bean Talking. I'll feature you then on my page. It's a really cool way to see who's listening along. Apart from that, I now want to talk to you a little bit about podcast production. If you're listening to these shows and you're thinking, wow, I would love to have my own show and my own podcast, that's something I'd love to help you out with. It's a really cool way for you to get a lot of content in a short amount of time you can then also spread through social media. We can get about 10 to 20 clips depending on the length of the show 
that's about a month to even two months worth of content for you in about 30 to 40 minutes of your time. Obviously, there's more editing production on my end, but for 40 minutes of your time to have two months worth of content, if that's something that sounds interesting for you, I'd love to have a conversation with you about it. My email is tim at beantalking.com.au. That's B-E-A-N talking.com.au. I look forward to having a conversation with you, but apart from that, we'll see you in the next show.